Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. You know, we started the program, I thought, oh my gosh, COVID hair is just... But you know what? We all have COVID hair right now. And it's, it was funny. I was interviewing a gentleman who had buzz cut his hair. And I thought, you know, that really was easier. Um, you know, and, and, but, you know, we're all in the same boat. And more importantly, we're all in the same boat as business professionals. Things took a change several months ago that shifted all of our worlds throughout the world we have no idea what's going to happen, um, you know, and, and all sorts of things. And the, but we don't know how to continue doing business and how to keep working with great employees and how to motivate employees. And if we're back in the offices, we still have those situations. How do we motivate employees? How do we get good employees? Um, so joining me today is Beth Miller, who's going to talk about that. So welcome, Beth. Well, thank you, Deb. I've really been looking forward to having a conversation with you today, especially in these times mm-hmm. where there's a, there are a lot of challenges that leaders are facing. Right, right. Well, let me tell people just a little bit about you and then we'll jump into this because I have a feeling this is going to be one of those where we're just going to, we could go on forever. So with over 20 years of experience as an entrepreneur, executive coach, and talent advisor, Beth Miller works with leaders who know that an organization's success requires the right people in the right seat at the right time. Through workshops, published articles, speaking engagements, and her book, Are You Talent Obsessed?, she shares her insights on hiring the best people, leading and developing them to their full potential, and creating succession plans for sustained growth in the future. As an entrepreneur, a coach, and Vistage Chair Emeritus, she has many stories of both success and failure and the lessons learned from them. Beth is a graduate of Babson College and Harvard Business School's OPM program. So again, Beth, welcome. Well, thank you, Deb. Well, we were talking, we're both in Atlanta and have not met each other. So once we're able to go and meet each other in person, we'll remedy that. But let's let's go back a bit in the Wayback Machine and tell us how it is that you you discovered that this is your passion in life. Oh, gosh. Wow. Um, yeah, so I actually started in finance many, many years ago. Okay. Graduated from Babson with a degree in finance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things I, I realized pretty quickly was I was good at it, but I wasn't passionate about it. Okay. And I, um, I was working for a Fortune 500 company at the time, Digital Equipment Corporation, mm-hmm. which, which is no longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had the opportunity to go into sales. They were doing mm-hmm. an internal sales development program, mm-hmm. which is how I got to Atlanta, Georgia. Kind of fast forward, uh, my husband, uh, um, he started an accounting temporary services firm. I joined him to start a consulting technology mm-hmm. practice. We um, got the company up to an Inc. 500 mm. and sold the accounting off. And then uh, continued to build the consulting company Mm -hmm. and then sold it back in 2002. Mm -hmm. We had gotten to the point where um, personally, my my dad had passed away. Um, He was, my mom was up in in the Northeast and I just needed time uh, with her Mm -hmm. and um, just didn't have the energy around the company. And one of the things that I learned from that was that we didn't have a good succession plan. Mm. Uh, We did not, we hadn't really built a really good um, management team. Mm -hmm. So being able to step away 
for, you know, a month mm-hmm. was really impossible. Mm-hmm. So then, then I was without a job. <laughs> I got bored very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't enough volunteer work to mm-hmm. do. Right. And I found Vistage, mm. which is, um, it's an international organization. Mm-hmm. It brings business owners and CEOs together. Okay. On a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. And chairs like myself would facilitate the meetings mm-hmm. as well as coach. Okay. Individually. That was back in 2005. Mm-hmm. I my eyes just lit up. All of a sudden, I realized this is what I was meant to do. Mm-hmm. I had the, I had the, all the uh, wounds <laughs> and battle scars of an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And now I could help other business owners avoid some of those m- mistakes that mm-hmm. I made. And once I did that, when I, once I started uh, Vistage, I set up my own company, Executive Velocity. Hmm. I was so I was doing a coaching and training, mm-hmm. uh, talent management advisory work for those small to mid-sized companies, mm-hmm. as well as as working for for Vistage. Hmm. I, I had that kind of parallel path for mm-hmm. a while, mm-hmm. and then I got very um, busy, and um, I transitioned my groups over to another chair. Hmm. So the last group I transitioned was uh, earlier last year, 2019. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I've been really focused on uh, working with, with business owners, uh, but not through the, the, the Vistage platform. Mm-hmm. And um, my work is really helping companies hire great people, mm. develop leaders and, mm-hmm. and future leaders, and succession planning. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. You know, and I, I, I enjoyed reading your book, which is, again, Are You Talent Obsessed? Show uh-huh. it. Have to, be, have to be Vanna. Yay! <laughs> um, it's a very quick read. And, you know, it was, it was interesting because I, I only have one person who works for me now. That's my producer. Um, she is a virtual assistant. But we've all had or have been probably employees, um, you know, and, and, and I always look at things too as, you know, could this work for volunteer organizations? Sure, most definitely could. Um, so it's a great resource and very quick read. It's, it's very fast. But, you know, I loved how, you know, it, one of the things it talked about was the fact that you have to be that all in power, all good and powerful leader. I was trying to figure out the Wizard of Oz and that just got lost in my head. Um, but it's it's not that you go to work, you have employees, they do the work and you go home. Yeah. That works, obviously, but it doesn't work to its best potential. Um, you know, we we all know that when you have to replace an employee, there is a cost associated with that. Now, sometimes it's worth it because you're like, oh, didn't, didn't need that person, didn't want that person. But, it, you know, and, and it's not just a monetary cost depending on, you know, what's, what's going on. Sometimes there's morale issues. There's, there's all sorts of things that go with it. And so, of course, the, the important thing is to, as, as we said in your bio, find the right people and put them in the right positions. Um, you know, and, and so... Tell us really kind of how, how you developed that. Yeah, so uh, what, what I found working with um, small to mid-sized companies is that um, managers and leaders were never trained on how to properly interview right. and assess mm-hmm. uh, prospective employees. Mm-hmm. And there might be like one, one uh, manager who's really good at it. Mm-hmm. But part of the issue was there's no consistency mm. across the organization mm-hmm. on how, how you screen employees, how do you interview them, mm-hmm. um, do, you, do you use an assessment to try right. and... Um, Did you have a, to take a test? <laughs> no, wait, it's not a test, it's an assessment. Ah. I always felt like they were tests and I was going to be <laughs> graded. <laughs> No pass fail on these things. You know, the whole point is is to take some bias out of out of the process, mm-hmm, right? 
they they didn't know how to do a behavioral interview process. Mm-hmm. Um, so so those were the things that that I bring to to organizations mm-hmm. is um, training, mm-hmm. um, understanding their core competencies, and being really um, consistent mm-hmm. within the interviewing process right. around those core competencies. Mm-hmm. So building building behavioral interview questions mm-hmm. that are around um, conflict management, for instance, mm-hmm. and understanding what a good question is or a good answer is mm-hmm. versus a bad answer. Mm-hmm. So, that, so that when you come together as a group to make a hiring decision, you're, you're all working with the same data and mm-hmm. information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, so you know, and it's interesting. I was thinking about the last time that I worked in corporate America and went through that process. I don't even remember if the person I reported to interviewed me, um, you know, and, and so obviously if she did, it wasn't that memorable. Right. Um, she was a great person. I mean, you know, that, and, and I enjoyed working for her, but yeah, I don't remember that she was part of the process. It, you know, and, and I think that that is a big, big part of this is when you have a big enough company where you have multiple levels, Things just aren't standardized. Sometimes it's only HR. Sometimes it's HR and a hiring manager. Sometimes it's a peer review, and and some of that just varies department by department. Um, yeah. You know, and 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 that's very confusing to the potential employees. Um, you know, and and as you said, we we don't get people in the right places. You know, I've talked to many people who they say, "Oh my gosh, I love this company, but I don't like what I do." You know, or, and eh. or mm-hmm. don't like your your manager, right? Yeah, yeah. Or the people you're working with, you know, some some things like that. And and so you know, you'd have a an, a potential employee, you know, in that person who could do great things, but is going to do just enough. <laughs> you know, maybe not even just enough. Or they, you know, they might have a, a good enough work ethic that they're gonna, you know, they're gonna do a really good job, but. You, it's they. They just aren't going to hit that ultimate because they're not doing what they should be doing for the people they should be doing it with. Right. That's that's all around um, leaders mm-hmm. that help to develop their employees to their full potential. Right. Right. And um, and a lot of a lot of leaders got to be leaders mm-hmm. uh, because they were subject matter experts in mm-hmm. something. And they were tapped to then take on a leadership position mm-hmm. with zero training. Zero training. <laughs> yeah, I um, I'm working with a, a client right now in, in Florida, and um, they they've been around for quite some time, mm-hmm. and and their leadership for the most part has grown up in the organization, mm-hmm. and so um, the CEO realized that um, they really need to, to create some leadership training for, for individuals, mm-hmm. both from a standpoint of existing leaders mm-hmm. and then those high potentials that were coming up. Right. So I, I helped design a 10-module leadership mm-hmm. certification program mm-hmm. for them. And now we're in the process of I am then training a trainer to deliver the next round. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 helpful because you, you, I don't want to be the, the trainer for the rest of my life. Right. Um, I, I want to provide them with the tool mm-hmm. and the knowledge and mm-hmm. then train that individual right. so they can then mm-hmm. um, deliver. Yeah. Right. Well, and it's, it, it, there are times I'm sure in that process where you figure out, Ooh, that person shouldn't be the manager. Yeah. And you know what? It, if, if you're seeing that, they're feeling it. So it's, you know, they probably wouldn't be adverse to you, to you somebody there saying, why don't we switch things up, up a bit? Um, you know, and, and it is about having, the, it's, you know, we talk about having the right employees in the right place. It's about having the right leaders in the right place too. And it was funny when you were, you know, when, when we were talking about you, you know, you had your job and at the, the financial company and, and, or at DEC, um, and it wasn't your passion. I wonder how many times it, that happens. And it's simply because 
we didn't have good leaders who nurtured us into having that passion. And, and maybe it means changing roles. Maybe it means, you know, learning new skills, new things like that. But yeah, you know, it's not our passion because it, it wasn't nurtured. It wasn't nurtured and nobody asked. Right. So, you know, oftentimes I'll, I'll be working with leaders. Um, and one of the things I really encourage them to do is to have those regular one-to-one coaching mm-hmm. conversations with with their employees Mm -hmm. and and many of them nowadays have a routine of doing that right Um, i i recommend at least once a month Mm -hmm. um there are there are some not the once a year annual reviews folks (laughs) (laughs) and um and i also recommend that um, they set aside one or two of those to have a career conversation Mm. Not, not about, you know, the execution of, of the existing job, mm-hmm. but having the conversation of where do you, you know, what are your passions? Where do you mm-hmm. want to be? And, and then it's up to the leader to, to help fulfill those passions mm-hmm. right? and, and help um, from a standpoint of maybe integrating some development, development opportunity mm-hmm. that will help that individual move into the, the position that they want in the future. Right. And it is about having those conversations, you know, and, and it it's, can be scary, especially if you think well, I might lose my job. Um, I remember several years ago, I was working with a, a woman who I was working with her on her LinkedIn profile because she wanted a different job. She just wasn't challenged, you know, all of those various reasons as to why you want to change jobs. And she actually put in her LinkedIn profile that she was looking for different employment. Now, of course, that's always risky because you never know who's going to see it, right? And her boss saw it, calls her in, and she's thinking, okay, the decision just got made, right? Right. And he looked at her and he said, so tell me more about this. And they had a good enough relationship that she felt comfortable saying, I love this company, but here's what I really want to be doing. Mm -hmm. And bless him. He looked at her and he said, is there a reason you don't want to do it here? And he helped her get a better position in that company. Um, you know, which, yeah, I mean, that was, and, and so, you know, she kept her benefits, she kept her salary, all of those things. And she stayed with a company that she loved. Um, now that was, you know, that, that nine times out of 10, that conversation is going to go south. <laughs> but yeah, the problem think- is it shouldn't. And, and that's really what, what, you know, what you're helping people to do is to be able to have those conversations and keep those great employees, even if it means they're not going to be working for you. Yes. Yeah. You, it, um, it, your story brings up a story that uh, years ago, when I first started as a Vistage chair, I had a, a member um, who had a, a small manufacturing company. Mm-hmm. And we had a, um, a speaker come in and, and talk about, you know, careers and mm-hmm. career conversations. And he went back and had a conversation with one of his employees. And he knew that this employee um, like to do stand-up comedy on weekend. Mm-hmm. So he had this conversation about, you know, what do you, and he's like, well, I really eventually want to get um, to California to be able to, to mm-hmm. do that. He's like, okay, well then how can I help you? Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't going to be able to provide him with those opportunities. Right. In a right. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he had a, a, a network mm-hmm. that he could right. help. Mm-hmm. direct this gentleman right. and and like I think it was 18 months later mm-hmm. he headed for California for right. his dream yeah you know and to me karma is going to be you know yeah. it's going to be in there and you know whether you believe in karma or not but you know so he helped that person to get his career Hopefully, what happened then was he got another great employee to take his place, um, you know, and, and, you know, that, that would have been good karma, was for him to have, have gotten a great replacement. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, getting the right people in, in the, the right seats at the right time, mm-hmm. that, that is really what leaders' mm-hmm. goals should mm-hmm. be. Right. Because if you, if you do that, mm-hmm. then... Um, you're going to be highly successful and you're going to have engaged employees. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Yeah. And it's funny, I was, I was thinking, it really doesn't matter if you're hiring the type of employee that is short term, you know, so maybe it's a fast food or a seasonal or, or whatever, or something that somebody, you know, is going to be there for several years or multiple years. I mean, you know, m- many people don't have careers at one company any longer. But, um, you know, if, if you've, uh, you know, we're, we're both here in Atlanta, land of Chick-fil-A. That's right. Where they treat their employees like they're somebody who's going to be with them for many, many years. Yeah. But they also are giving them training to go out into the world. Um, you know, and, and it's really funny because I've noticed, you can, you can tell when somebody is a, I'm putting this in my air quotes for you know, my listeners, a Chick-fil-A trained person. Yes. Because, you know, I always love it when they say it's my pleasure. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, know, you learned that at Chick-fil-A, right? right. Um, exactly. But they also, you know, they've got great scholarship programs and they know, you know, if, they're, if somebody is going off and getting a college degree, more than likely they're not going to stay a Chick-fil-A employee. But that's just kind of their, their philosophy is, is to do that. And so they, what happens is they get better people who even apply. That's right. It's um, they have what what I call a, a great employer brand. Mm-hmm. They are able because of their philosophy. Um, they are able to attract mm-hmm. great people. Right. And there there are a lot of companies out there that that do a really good job mm-hmm. on branding themselves right. as an employer. That's mm-hmm. why a lot of companies will you know go for the best places to work mm-hmm. because. Gosh, all of a sudden you've got lots and lots of people mm-hmm. who are, are lining up to work for right. you. Right. Yeah. Well, so. and it is about having that brand and owning it. I mean, you know, Chick-fil-A, Hobby Lobby, of the other businesses like that it, make it very well known about that they are kind of a faith-based, I mean, Hobby Lobby in, in particular, faith-based yeah. organization. If that's not what you're looking for, then you don't apply. Exactly. Um, you know, and, and, and so they're not trying to be everything to everybody. You know, and, and, and that's where it comes back to the great leaders. You know, they have to know what is that brand? You know, what, what do they want going out there? And it, and it gets back to uh, interviewing. Mm-hmm. That if, you, if you're really clear about your brand mm-hmm. and um, the story, the company story, that's one mm-hmm. of the things I'll work with with clients on is right. what's your company's story? Mm-hmm. Because you have to sell applicants. Mm-hmm. It's it's not one of it's not twenty years ago. Right. It it's today, mm-hmm. and people want to understand what what you represent. Mm-hmm. What's your culture? Mm-hmm. What do you stand for? Right. Millennials especially want oh, to know that, and this is not a bad thing, people. <laughs> no, not at all. And and then uh, once we get the company's story mm-hmm. set, then I work with each leader to get their story around the company. Mm-hmm. What's happened to them right. since they have joined? Mm-hmm. So that um, because people have stories, mm-hmm. so. So you can share that with with um, the applicant. Not only here's here's the company story, but here's my personal story mm-hmm. and what what working for the company has meant to me. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So it's you know, and it, it is about having that story and having everyone understand it and 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 believe it. Um, yeah. You know, it's not just the sign on the wall or on your truck or whatever. Um, it's funny as you were saying that, I was thinking one of my little hot buttons. Are the companies that uh, that are pink, um, you know, and 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 I am a breast cancer survivor, so that's why that's a hot button for me, mm-hmm. and and so I will ask them, um, you know, and and so we went into one of the auto dealers that has you know the pink plates and and all of those things, and you know, negotiating to buy a car, and so I asked the guy, how much money does your company give to breast cancer research? We do. Okay. All your marketing materials say that, and you have pink license plates and this, that, and so on. We do. Now he knew they had, you know, he just, he was thinking they thought pink because they like to think pink. Oh, look, all of a sudden I got new color in my screw up. There it went. My camera's acting up today. I had color in my cheeks and then I didn't have color in my cheeks. How funny. Um, But, but yeah, they, they did not know the company story. 
Um, and so that was very bad because since that is a, a, a hot button for me, it's, you know, the fact that they couldn't tell me how much money went to fund breast cancer research or did it go to breast cancer research? Did it go to patient program? Anything. I mean, they couldn't tell me anything about their very well-known, very marketed part of their brand. Um, and we still bought from them, but you know, it was just, it was like, mm, no. Nah. It, that gets to, um, the whole process of onboarding employees mm-hmm. and how important it is to have a, a, a process that not only lets the employee know, you know, what they need to do, mm-hmm. but things like company values, right? What are the behaviors that we expect? Mm-hmm support those company values mm-hmm. what what are what are our social uh, responsibilities and community mm-hmm. responsibilities all of those things if you don't have a good onboarding program mm-hmm. get missed and right. I would suggest that that's what what mm-hmm. happened with that. right and it really would have taken a piece of paper you know and and that said you know we give 10% we did you know in october we do yada 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 you know and and all of those things and then i would have been happy but you know if you're going to brand yourself as affiliating with something like that you know maybe it's a children's hospital whatever it is then it has to flow through to the the ground troops mm-hmm. exactly right. yeah and i would say that it needs that uh, from an onboarding perspective it's more than just having a sheet of paper mm-hmm. it's explaining um, I, it i would explaining it mm-hmm. i would do videos you know there's mm-hmm. um so there are um, um zappos mm-hmm. they have a great onboarding right program. right mm-hmm. and a lot of it is is video related mm-hmm. um i had one client who had a, a new employee starting and she had to be out of town mm-hmm. so so she actually did a video and sent it to to the woman that very first day saying, Aww. hey, I'm so sorry, I can't be there. Um, I'll be there tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, here are some of the things that, that I would be telling you today. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's caring for the employees. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and employees, that is part of what they want, you know, for their culture. They, they want to know are you a philanthropic minded organization? And if you're not, okay, own that too. Because there are companies that aren't, you know, and, 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 and they say, you know, what you're going to do on your private time, that's great, but we're not going to do that. Um, You know, and, and and that's perfectly fine as long as that's the, the, what they're putting out there. And, you know, it's, but it, it, when I, it's one of those days, right? Um, when I worked for um, ING, uh, the the in, which is now Voya, the the large financial company, I managed their philanthropic program for our Denver location, and that was extremely important to our employees. We did surveys. Where do you want us to spend our money? Now, back then, we were able to determine that. I mean, our employees were. It, they changed that and said, hey, you, uh, you know, eventually it should be financial education, which kind of made sense. Yeah. But when I was there, you know, it was, what did the employees want? And it changed. I mean, every year we changed. And, and so there were times where we focused on children's health. There were times, and, and usually we, we, had, we always had quite a, a big pool of money. So we were able to, to fund various things. And, and, um, and we had committees. We, our big thing was we wanted our employees to submit suggestions as to where we could fund and who we should fund. And so it was really important to us that we got the employees involved. And it was very important to them that even if they didn't participate, that they knew what was going on. Um, you know, and, and, and I think that that is very important in a lot of cases that employees want that and they want that kind of culture. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course now the problem is that we may be losing that because of what's going on with coronavirus, with the pandemic, with all of those things. You know, we obviously have no idea what things are going to be like in a month let right. alone six months to a year. I figure a year is about where we'll know really kind of where things have, have settled down to. But, you know, right now, most employees, especially of large corporations, um, might be home officing. 
and we've all of a sudden lost all that connectivity. So how are leaders, re- and, and we lost it suddenly, you know, it was yeah. fine one day and uh-oh, the next day. There was zero preparation for it. So how are leaders having to really adapt to this? Well, um, you know, early on in the process, they, all the leaders that I've spoken to mm-hmm. went to like daily meetings. Right. Um, daily Zoom meetings. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them would actually do um, two meetings a day. I have mm-hmm. one client who does uh, PEO and payrolling. Mm-hmm. Well, that with the PPP, they were having oh. to mm-hmm. make massive changes to um, to their systems, their mm-hmm. IT mm-hmm. systems, in order to as- to assist their clients. Mm-hmm. So they were they were meeting all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, it's now gotten to the point where People have gotten used to it, mm-hmm. and there's there's a rhythm. Uh, one client I spoke with, he they do three meetings a week: mm-hmm. uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Mm-hmm. Monday is working on the business. Okay. Wednesday's working in the business, and Friday is recognition and rewards mm-hmm. and celebration. Mm-hmm. So it's a great um, weekly uh, schedule. Mm-hmm. Of of communicating. Mm-hmm. There are others who have, um, for instance, when they're using Slack, if they're, if they're using Slack or something mm-hmm. like Slack, mm-hmm. they've created, created uh, different um, um, streams and groups mm-hmm. based on interests. So for instance, um, stay at home moms, what are they, you know, what are they having mm-hmm. to do with? Or right. who uh, all of a sudden are teachers in addition to employees. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or uh, people like myself who have an elderly parent living mm-hmm. with them. Those, that's another different dynamic. So, mm-hmm. uh, so it's a, a way of sharing mm-hmm. amongst um, mm-hmm. special interest groups. Right. In, mm-hmm. in day and well, age. because normally they'd be meeting in, say, where the coffee room right. is. Exactly. Yeah. And so, so communications, but, mm-hmm. but very much a um, focus on transparency mm-hmm. that the leaders probably don't know much more than the employees. Right. Uh, employees, if they're really active, are probably getting out on the CDC mm-hmm. website and, and reading all the new information. But well, that changes like every hour. Right. <laughs> hopefully they're not um, using Facebook as, as I know. Right. <laughs> But um, transparency is really important. Mm-hmm. And being vulnerable, mm-hmm. the, the, the leaders who have a high level of emotional intelligence mm-hmm. have the ability to be more vulnerable mm-hmm. and, and share with, with employees, especially now that, that we're headed back into the workplace, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of fear. Right. So leaders need to be transparent about okay, this is what, what we have done so far. Mm-hmm. We are still learning. Mm-hmm. And, and we want to learn not only from the government and public officials, but we mm-hmm. also want to learn from you mm-hmm. as to what's working and what's not working. Mm-hmm. And, um, oh, by the way, you know, we don't know if, if there's going to be an uptick mm-hmm. uh, in our right. area. I know. We could just bring everybody back and whoops. Everybody got to go home again. <laughs> but, here's, but here's what we plan on doing mm-hmm. if that should happen. Mm-hmm. And so get really, really clear with, mm-hmm. with individuals and employees as to what's going to happen mm-hmm. if, if for some reason we, we get another, another wave mm-hmm. of COVID. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is, you know, as, as I said, you know, this was thrust on us. Right. But now we know, okay, these things can happen. So we should plan for them. Um, you know, and, and it's funny because after September 11th, many companies made plans, you know, if, if you know, but, but those were short term, right? You know, our company, it, we shut down for like half a day. Some companies shut down for, for a little bit longer, but none shut down, you know, very long right. unless they were very, very dr- directly affected by something that, that happened. Um, but yeah, the vast majority of companies by that that next Monday were back up and running right. and, and functioning. Um, but but you know we but we did have to make plans then. Okay, we couldn't fly, couldn't do this, couldn't do that. You know, all sorts of things. 
And so now we do, we need to plan on, okay, what if there is a second wave? What if there's a third wave? Right. You know, and of course, then we make it really tricky and we toss in the fact that every state is doing this differently. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and so, you know, and, and, and you have multiple offices. Right, right. You know, and, and let's be honest, here in Georgia, they have been kind of leading in, mm-hmm. in you know, opening things back up, which, knock on wood, has so far been okay. You know, for all the naysayers, we did okay. Absolutely. But, you know, it's it's one of those things where, as you said, nobody knows, you know, when, if and when they're able to go back into offices, is there going to be, you know, for the cubicle world, all of a sudden, are they going to have plexiglass all over everywhere? Are they going to be putting up walls, you know? Uh, are you going to have to rearrange because you were four feet from the person next to you? Um, you know, your in-person meetings all of a sudden, you know, all these various things. You know, we're, we're also hearing that some companies are saying, okay, this this group will be in the office for this week. Then yeah. this group will be in the office for this week. And so we're going to alternate. Yeah. Um, or we're not going to work on Wednesdays so that they can go in and clean good on Wednesdays. Now, obviously, a lot of this depends on cases. You know, if, if we right. continue to go down in diagnosis, well, then they're not going to be quite so concerned. And some of this is just good, you know, but, you know good sense. You know, hello, right. we should have yeah. been cleaning. We should have been washing our hands, all those various things. Right. Um, but what I am foreseeing, and this is, you know, obviously purely anecdotal because there's nothing that really, you know, is, it, is that I think a lot of companies are going to go, you know what? Working from home worked. Yeah. And we're going to continue it. And, you know, is that something, because you're talking with some of these, these yeah. leaders, is that what you're seeing? So that's interesting because um, I, I've heard anecdotally, the same same scenario, mm-hmm. but the companies that I I'm working with, they want their people back. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, um, like one of them owns the building, mm-hmm. so right, uh, they're not renting. I mean, I I can mm-hmm. see where there will be companies, and it might not be um, immediately, mm-hmm. but it will have to do with leases. Right. Yeah. Do we really need all of this space? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Or can, can we cut back and, and save 50% mm-hmm. and do some of those rotations? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there are, there are a lot of employees that don't, you know, especially the introverts. Mm-hmm. They oh, they think this is the greatest thing in the world. Thanks and sliced bread. Yeah, just mm-hmm. leave me here. Mm-hmm. I'm saving, you know, an hour, two hours commute. Mm-hmm. I've got extra. Oh, time. I know. Everybody's got like an extra two hours in their day because they're yeah. not commuting. Exactly. Yeah. And less stressful, too. I mean, mm-hmm. getting and sitting in traffic Mm -hmm. that you arrive at work and you're stressed and then you get home and you're stressed Mm -hmm. yeah right so um yeah i i i see that happening Mm um i and especially now with um the challenges around um the protests Mm -hmm. and um and the riots that Mm -hmm. we've seen that you know these inner cities Mm -hmm. a lot of i hear a lot of people saying well gee you know what Living in a high rise, um, first of all, during COVID mm-hmm. wasn't fun because yeah. we, we couldn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. It was like white collar prison. Mm-hmm. And and then um, now with the unrest, mm-hmm. do I really want to live in town? Mm-hmm. How about looking at a suburb? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I definitely mm-hmm. see, it, I would not want to be a commercial real estate um, it's either going to be really good for them or not so much. Right. Know? Exactly. Yeah. It, it was funny. I was talking with someone who does office share type of things yeah. and they're seeing that that's going to go up because, you know, you're, you're going to be having people who aren't, aren't in a physical office as much, but they need to be on occasion. Right. So they're going to rent those spaces, um, you know, and, and they also see, you know, exactly what you were saying that these these companies, even if they own the the space, where they're gonna, you know, they're gonna lease out a floor for something different, or you know, all those various things, and you know, it, this it, this all comes back to exactly what we were saying. It's all about communication. You know, people are wondering, am I ever going back into the office? Yeah. Or oh my God, I'm never going back into the office, um, you know. And 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 before the program, we were talking about were people, and in many cases, they weren't prepared to work from yeah. home, 
you know, did they have the right equipment? Um, you know, did were you in, in an office that did not have laptops to give to employees to be able to work from home? Exactly. Yeah, no, I had a number of companies um, mm-hmm. that went through that. I had one, though, that um, had moved virtually mm-hmm. about 18 months ago and mm-hmm. is in one of those shared office spaces. Mm-hmm. So they didn't miss a tick. Right. I mean, they just, you know, it's like, okay, we're just not going to go to that office. Mm-hmm. And they kept on rolling. Now, of course, they're in the insurance industry. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't need to be face-to-face mm-hmm. with people. A lot of their work is is done, you know, on a, a desktop. So mm-hmm. um, but it, it really depends on, on what you do mm-hmm. and how collaborative do you need mm-hmm. to be. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and leaders need to sit down and think, you know, okay, if our employees are potentially going to be working from home, even if it's just one day a week or, you know, whatever it comes down to, what do we need to provide for them? And what, and, and what do we have to provide for them? Yeah. You know, do they have to give them Wi-Fi? Do they have to give them a laptop, a desk chair? Uh, you know, um, you know, all these various things. My, my husband works normally in a very large office. They're shut down. He's home. Now he had a laptop and, you know, and, and, and so that was not a huge deal, but he figured out really quickly he needed, you know, it was, it, it, what he missed was his monitor and, uh, you know, and, and because, you know, it was just a bigger monitor, all those various things yeah. and a keyboard. So mm-hmm. they made arrangements to be able to get that. But what if you can't do that? Um, right. You know, we were talking before the program about a friend who didn't have an office chair. How many people are like that? You know, they're now, their home office is now a kitchen table, a dining room table. That is one of the most uncomfortable chairs to sit in for more than an hour at a time. So are you providing those for your employees or giving them, you know, at least say an office depot gift card or something so that they can, can go do that? Yeah, no, those are all things that, that they had to figure out pretty early on. And, and you're right. There was, there were, Depending on the company and the company culture, um, they would be very uh, gracious and mm-hmm. provide a lot of stuff. And there mm-hmm. are others that not so much. Mm-hmm. And it kind of gets gets back to, to company culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You know, and speaking of that company culture, I mean, a big part of the employee situation is being in that office and being with the people, you know, whether you're talking about what you watched on TV last night, there might be sports on again at some point, Um, you know, going and doing say Habitat for Humanity on a weekend or, or whatever. So if we end up with more people working from home, how are we going to deal with that? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that just means continuing with, with zoom meetings Mm -hmm. uh, I think one of the things that um, has come out of this is pre-COVID, leaders, um, if they were in a dispersed environment, Mm -hmm. would have conference calls. They would not do video for some Mm -hmm. reason, at least the ones that I work with. And I always always question them and challenge Mm -hmm. them on that because I was like, you know, you're missing mm-hmm. so much of the communication. Right. You cannot see the, the mm-hmm. people. Um, and, you, and you know that half the people on, on the conference call are doing something else. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. While, while the other mm-hmm. people are talking. Mm-hmm. so You can even hear the tickety, 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 yeah. tickety. <laughs> so, so you need, um, I think that Zoom mm-hmm. and other platforms like mm-hmm. Zoom are going to really benefit in the, mm-hmm. the long term. That right. you know, this isn't the the volume of Zoom calls isn't going to all of a sudden drop when people yeah. start mm-hmm. going back to work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's really important that um, those individuals that are the introverts mm-hmm. who who really aren't don't feel the need to come back to work mm-hmm. that that um, leaders understand their employees personality styles right and and communicate appropriately mm-hmm. with them right um, one of the things that i've heard is you know there's especially early on there was a lot of stress by employees moving back in into the house mm-hmm. you know dealing with homeschooling and 
um, and other personal issues that um, that going to work they could escape from. Mm-hmm. Right. But that that leaders really needed to think about the employee first. Mm-hmm. That when when Zoom meetings started, it wasn't okay, guys. Here's the agenda, mm-hmm. like like pre COVID. Right. It was okay, Deb. Tell me how are things going. Mm-hmm. You know what what can I do to help you um, as mm-hmm. as you make this this transition. Right. Leaders. I hope will continue to do that. Mm-hmm. Meaning, think about the employee first, mm-hmm. and then talk about execution and results. Right. What What has happened? And I heard this through a survey by DDI. Um, employee engagement has increased. Hmm. We're all virtual, but right. we are more engaged. And why is that? It's not that that um, we're able to sit at home. Mm-hmm. It's because our leaders are paying more attention to us. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like that. It, it's yeah, and I'm I am very hopeful that um, as we re-enter, leaders will continue to start meetings, even if we're in the same room. Mm-hmm about the individual first. Right. You know, and it's interesting because I think a lot of leaders and actually managers, because, you know, I'm, I think of a leader as a very positive person. Yes. You know, and, and so sometimes it's the manager, it's, you know, it's, it's, but, but whoever, you know, they, they don't want to know what goes on in their employee's personal life. For a variety of reasons, you know, they they think it doesn't matter. They think there's HR issues, um, you know, all sorts of things. Well, all of a sudden, they're seeing that they are seeing it. Yes, you know, quite literally because it's behind somebody in their Zoom screen. They're right. seeing the little kid go wandering by. They're seeing the dog, the cat. Even if they're just seeing pictures on the wall, it's funny. I have stuff in, and I had people who said, "Oh my gosh, that is." so distracting you have got to change that and so i just you know i have a backdrop now um but you know and and then of course you know we have all the people who are are doing zoom backdrops which are just hilarious and professional and all sorts of different things um but you know now we're able to get a little maybe it's just a little glimpse into somebody's personal life, whether you wanted it or not. Right. Um, I was uh, talking with somebody the other day who she she had been on a, a conference call, you know, Zoom call frequently, and her home office was her bedroom. And she oh. said she finally figured maybe something needed to change when several people commented several times about her bedspread. Now her bed was made. It was not, you know, it was nice. It was neat. It was, you know, all these various things, but she thought, you know, I, that probably is just not professional. So she got a, a, a screen that, that she put up, right. um, you know, and, and things like that. But, but yeah, you know, what are people seeing? You know, one of my favorite stories, and this was like last week was the, the, the elementary school child who was on a zoom classroom. So all of her little classmates were there and mom went wandering behind the child, stark naked. Oh, no. Oh, and, oh, yes. And, of course, all the little kids went, Yeah. And so she stopped because she's like, what's wrong? Oh, no. Then, yo, yeah. You know, and then, of course, you know, and, and so, but, and, and we've heard stories. Yeah. It was like, oh, dear. Um, you know, and, and so we, you know, we did, people really got to see more of her than they ever wanted. Um, but, but yeah, you know, we're, we're, we are getting glimpses into yeah. people's personal lives that we never had before. Yeah. And, you know, to me, a good leader is exactly as you said, they're going to take that and learn from it. Right. Um, you know, maybe they didn't even know that somebody had three kids, you know, yeah. all sorts of things. And so now they're thinking, okay, we need to now be cognizant of the fact that I might need this person to come back into the office, but their kids aren't going back into the classroom. So how are we going to deal with that? Exactly. Yeah. Now, I think that, you know, leaders have learned a lot mm-hmm. um, during this period of time. And, um, and we've learned about leaders, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the good ones are in the process of going, um, kind of reflecting back mm-hmm. 
saying, okay, you know, what, what did I do right? Mm -hmm. What did I do wrong? Um, what do I need to take with me mm -hmm. uh, forward? Mm -hmm. um, what do I need to do more of? And, oh, what do we need to just stop doing? Mm. And there's, mm -hmm. and that, that could be, you know, mm -hmm. going to into an office or, right. right? Um, mm -hmm. It's, it's those, those leaders are, are strategic and looking forward, even though they know they don't know everything mm -hmm. and that things will change. Right. But, but as a leader, what, what can I personally do differently? Mm -hmm. What do I have control and influence mm -hmm. over? Right. Yeah. You know, and I've talked about that with other guests about knowing your, about your employees. You know, how do they want to be communicated with? You know, are they text people? Are they email people? Um, are they going to work better? you know, at 10 o'clock at night. Well, you know, if, if they're getting the work done and it works for them to be working at 10 o'clock at night, then maybe that's what you want to do, you know, but, but then you have to set very, you know, and, and it, it really comes back to, again, the communication. You yeah. have to set very clear, I hate to say it, but ground rules. You know, yeah. okay, you can, you can get this done anytime during the week, but it has to be done. <laughs> you know? yeah, there is a specific um, mm -hmm. time that things are, are right. complete. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, or maybe it's that you will be, you know, you might want to work nights, but you will be part of that team Zoom meeting at nine o'clock every morning, whatever. Mm -hmm. That's where I was, was headed. Mm -hmm. That there, um, there was a, a client I was uh, talking to just recently, and they do a lot of marketing. Mm -hmm. And so they've got a lot of creatives mm -hmm. and uh, one of them likes to, you know, work through the night mm -hmm. and he's unavailable um, when, when somebody wants to contact him right. during, you know, mm -hmm. the morning. So, Cause he's asleep. Right. He's asleep. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, set some ground rules of, mm -hmm. of maybe some core hours that everybody has to mm -hmm. be available right. um, to communicate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I think some companies are going to find that, you know, what they thought was an eight-hour day, when given the flexibility, might be four. I mean, you know, or six or, or ten. I mean, you know, who knows? But, you know, and, and I think it's, it's, it's going to be fun to watch and to see how these companies adapt because they were starting to. You know, there were a lot of companies who were saying, okay, you can work from home every Friday or, right. you know, all of these various things and, and you, you can have the flex schedules all, you know, whatever it was, but now, now they're going to be forced to do it. Um, yeah. you know, and, and so even the companies that were doing it before having to tweak things, you know, because it, it, like we were saying, you know, all of a sudden there's kids at home, there's a spouse at home, um, yeah. you know, and, and did they have the right equipment? Do they have the right bandwidth? I mean, I was talking with somebody the other day and they said, well, we can't do that because we actually, you know, be, you know she said, I, she said, I can't zoom with you. Oh, okay. I mean, I was whatever. And she said, you need to understand there are now six people in this house on our Wi-Fi, and four yeah. of them are students that have to be on. I went, oh, <laughs> right, exactly. yeah, that, that has, I've heard mm -hmm. issues like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that might not be able to change. I mean, you know, your, your company could have the, you know, or it might be that, that if, if it's absolutely critical, well, then they have a dedicated Wi-Fi, or, right. you know, something like that. But that comes back to communication. I mean, the employee has to say, oh my gosh, Beth, I got to tell you, I really need a chair and my Wi-Fi sucks. <laughs> and that kind of gets back to um, that, if the leader has created a strong relationship mm -hmm. with them, right. they mm -hmm. will feel comfortable coming to mm -hmm. him or her mm -hmm. and, and requesting that, mm -hmm. you know, if, right. if, if the leader has not um, created that baseline mm -hmm. of a relationship, mm -hmm. they're, they're not going to feel comfortable. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. yeah. Because the employee doesn't want judged. You know, how many people want to say, I don't have a chair. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it, you know, there's a whole bunch of reasons as to why somebody might not have a chair. And, you know, only a couple of those could be financial, you know, might just not fit with your decor, <laughs> all these various things. But, but yeah, you know, you have to feel like you can say, Beth, I need a chair without you going, hmm, 
<laughs> you know, and that is kind of one of the problems with Zoom is we can see the eye rolls. We can see. <laughs> oh, yes. You know, I've noticed that also on the news mm-hmm. when, when they have like some, some sort of round table. Right. People talking mm-hmm. and somebody will say something and then you can see the eye roll. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yep. like uh-huh. when they were all yep. together. Because before would- the camera wouldn't have been on them. Uh-huh. I was like, oh my gosh, there's definitely some that, that um, can, can have that straight face. Right. Mm-hmm. Others that are like, have the facial expressions. You'd love to play poker with them, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, oh my gosh, Beth, you know, we didn't even talk about the fact that we're almost uh, at the top of the hour. We didn't even talk about, you know, we've got such huge unemployment you know, how are people going to fill these spaces? All these various things. We didn't even get near that. So this just means that we need to, to talk with you again because there's so many options out there now. I mean, there's there's a lot of good talent that is now available. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, all sorts of things. And, and I think a lot of companies are really going to be restructuring. They're going to say, you know what? We had 20 people working before. We really need 25 or, ooh, we only need 10. Yeah. You know, all sorts of things like that. And so, yeah, we didn't even get near that. So it'll be fun to have you back on again, maybe once things are starting to settle a bit exactly. so that we know a little bit more about what's going on. But before then, tell us what Executive Velocity does. So we are a talent management advisory company, and we help small to mid-sized companies, generally 30 employees to 500 employees, mm-hmm. um, strategically with their uh, talent. Okay. That developing leaders through mm-hmm. coaching and training, uh, new new manager training, uh, succession planning, both from uh, the top all the way down so mm-hmm. that you always have the right people, the right place at the right time. Great. You know, one of the things you talk about in your book is it really helps to have a third party unbiased person come in and do some of these things. Yeah. Because employees aren't going to sit in front of their manager and say, she's not a good manager or he's horrible, (laughs) but they'll tell the consultant, um, you know, and, and so that's where that comes in. So speaking of your book, show it again, it's called, are you talent obsessed? Quick read, quick read. Um, and, and again, it's, you know, as I was reading it, I was thinking this is great for volunteers too. Um, if anything, it's really good for volunteers for people who, are in charge who've never been in charge before, whether it's a volunteer, whether it's a manager, you know, paid position, things like that. But before we, you know, have the opportunity to talk with you again, tell people how they find you and connect with you online. Yeah. So um, I'm on LinkedIn and uh, I am the only Beth Arm Connect Miller. (laughs) I know. I was really glad I didn't have to say Arm Connect. (laughs) Arm Connect, like arm connected to your shoulder. Yes. Spelled A-R-M-K-N-E-C-H-T. So if you put put that in, you will find me on LinkedIn. Um, you can also go to my website, which is executive-velocity.com. And, um, and the, the final thing I'd like to share with people is during this, these challenging times, I'm offering a um, 30-minute um, free coaching session. Great. With business owners. Mm-hmm. So um, they can they can email me at beth.miller mm-hmm. at executive-velocity.com and we can schedule some time. Perfect. I love it. And if you're listening to this or watching this several years down the road, that might not still be valid. Exactly. But it's it's always good to, to connect with Beth and and you know and, and and ask you know what you know what can happen. Her website is great, lots of good resources. Again, you know, you've got the book. So are there any final thoughts you want to leave everyone with? I just want uh, leaders, business owners to um, believe, believe in themselves, um, take care of themselves first mm. before they try and take care of their employees. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of leaders right now that are just run down um, right. from an energy standpoint. It's the old adage of put your oxygen mask on first mm-hmm. or you put other people's oxygen. Perfect. I love it. You know, we didn't even discuss that. You know, this is for a leader who is trying to figure all of this out. Holy schmoly. You know, that, you know, so, so 
do what you need to be doing. Meditate, get a coach, talk to people. Um, you know, it's a little tricky if you're somewhere where you can't go back to church, but you can certainly call and be talking with, with people, you know, all, all these various things. So, you know, as Beth said, take care of yourself first and, you know, and, and make sure that you're doing that as the leader of your family, be taking care of yourself first. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful, Beth. I knew that we could just chat forever, and so I look forward to having you on again. I'm Deb Creer. I've been having a great time talking with Beth Miller, and until next time, everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.